Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Guess what? This is another podcast on serviced accommodation, everyone's favorite buzzword and favorite property strategy at the moment. So you're in for a treat. Today we have David Diak on the show, founder of Prestige Property Lets, a coach, a mentor, and the creator of the SOS serviced accommodation business model. He's an entrepreneur through and through, Building businesses is a passion of his, as it probably is for many of you listening. Um, After steering his office supply business to success in his early 20s, he decided to move on and has built a thriving serviced accommodation business. Now, his current success led him to become a mentor and a coach, as as I mentioned earlier. Now, his secret sauce, as he says, yep, he's got the sauce, is the SOS business model that allowed him to systemize, outsource and scale, get it, SOS, with powerful effect. Now, I'll leave you with a quote of his. Great systems are like great habits. They take time to groove, but once ingrained, growth becomes exponential. So here we go with David Diak talking about serviced accommodation. David, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Tej, how are you? You okay? I'm very, very well. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. I think um, for everyone listening, I can't remember how I first sort of came in contact with you. I think you started posting on Facebook um, in some essay groups and I, I realized that I hadn't seen you before and I thought oh this is interesting because the way you were posting was quite realistic you weren't boasting about figures but you weren't being really negative and anti-essay you were kind of like this is my reality this is what I've experienced here's some tips for everyone does it help and I think you were quite humble because I think you remember so I remember you sort of saying like I'm not sure if this helps anyone or like is this helpful should I share more of this and I just thought what you wrote was like super helpful um so i thought you know what you obviously know your stuff let's um let's get you on the show right so uh for everyone who doesn't know you what was your story pre-property like who were you what were you doing before property yeah i mean look, thank you for that by the way that's really i'm really yeah, pleased you said that because you know when you sort of write these posts i mean the goal is always to give good feedback good quality value um and you picked up on that and that's exactly what we're looking for so just yeah, thank you for that. No problem. Um, so yeah, look, look pre-property, um, we can go right back, but I won't go, I won't go too far, but I, I guess you could say that um, I was just one of them normal people, normal background, working class family. Didn't really have high ambitions for myself, probably going through school and college, didn't really sort of know where I wanted to go, just in the crowd that was kind of just plodding along, if you want to call it that. Um, and it got to the point when you sort of leave college and you go, actually, what is it I'm going to do now? And, and you end up sort of realising actually there's a whole world out there and I've got to try and tackle it head on. So um, I've got a few a few jobs locally, you know, selling kitchens, uh, mainly in sales, I guess, um, working in local, uh, a, a local computer shop, actually, funny enough, which is my last job. And every single job I'd had up until this point, I was always thinking to myself, you know, I, I can probably do this better, um, always looking for gaps in their business and how they can improve it. And I... I, I gained like a huge sense of self-belief, um, knew that I could do something for myself, but it was a case of trying to understand what it was that I wanted to do. And I went through that for quite a long time, to be honest. Um, and then there, were, there I was working in the computer shop and people were just coming in and buying ink cartridges, believe it or not, all the time. And I just, 
I was 23 and I was like, I need to explore this a bit further. And I realised, you know, there's thousands of businesses out there that are buying both ink and tone and office products. And I said, this is what I'm going to look at. So um, pretty much overnight, I quit my job. I took out a three-year deal on an office building, hired a member of staff, literally had no experience, not a clue really what I was doing, and just sat down and <laughs> just started from there, really. Um, it quite, quite a, when you look back at it, quite a mad thing to do. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. And then, and then we, yeah, thanks. And then we, we were kind of, I say probably a little bit, we weren't. We, we built a business pretty quick. Like between me and the lady that worked for me, we, within a year we had five members of the team. We were doing around 20K a month's worth of income, which is quite a lot. Um, and yeah, it was, it was quite a good time. But, you know, when you're young, 23, you think about growing, growing, growing. Um, and at that time, I didn't understand systemization, didn't understand how to outsource appropriately. And we were just building a business off of sales. But what happened pretty quick was that, you know, there was suppliers that needed paying and people weren't paying us fast enough. People needed paying, staff needed to be paid. We had bills racking up, you know, things like that that were coming across. And because we wasn't being paid, we had to come across a cash flow issue. Um, so, so literally, I, I thought I found the, the way around it, which was working with a, an invoice finance company who would essentially buy the invoice off of me for a small amount of money and pay me out a large portion of that money so we can carry on trading. And that was working really well for, to a degree. And then one month they stopped paying out and I realized that they hadn't managed any of the accounts properly. Everybody still owed me money, and it was now reliant on us to chase the people ourselves, but more importantly, we had no money. Um, yeah, another night, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of went on my little holiday, come back, and it was literally on my plate, and I, I kind of... Wow. Yeah, I had to pretty much get all the sales team to start working on um, chasing debt, which, of course, they wasn't happy about because they were on commission, and overnight, it all pretty much collapsed back to the drawing board. Wow. So mm. that's interesting because I do know a few other people who have kind of used these uh, factoring companies and the same thing has happened. So I don't yeah. know if things have changed now and there's a bit more regulation, but I guess that's a warning to everyone that it's not always as rosy as it seems, right? 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, look, these, these factoring companies are geared towards like larger invoices, you know, maybe obviously in office products and in cartridges, you're probably talking two, three, four hundred pound invoices when they're they're used to dealing with maybe five, ten thousand pound invoices. So when they're prioritizing their workload, I'm sure they wasn't prioritizing us near enough as much as there was their larger invoices. Yeah. Um, but again, you live and learn, right? And yeah, I guess from, from that, it, it meant that we was able to, I had to sort of sit back and say, well, what do I want to do now? Do I want to carry this on or do I want to grow the business again or do I want to diversify? Mm. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I found property. And then, you know, going back to something you said really early on, because it kind of um, took me by surprise. You said you developed this like real, really strong self-confidence and self-belief. And then you quit your job and you rented an office, which most people who quit their jobs and kind of go self-employed and me myself, the first thing I think of is not an office. I think of kind of getting some cash flow, being a bit sort of slow and organic. But you literally jumped off the cliff and had to fly or fall um, like how did where did you get that self-belief from because there's people your age younger older whatever that struggle with self-belief and i think as humans we struggle with it a lot so like how, how did you get that where did it come from 
Do you know what? I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I really don't know. It was just, it was always just getting good at solving problems and and getting good results from doing that. And I, I just felt that I, I had a knack or I had something that I could say, okay, I can do this and I can make it work. Um, and it, as I say, I literally had no experience in it. And we built the, the sales pitch on the first day of the business and we tweaked it and we changed it. And it just, just happened. So um, I really can't pinpoint where, where I got it from, but it's, it's definitely in there somewhere, you know? Yeah, well, well, indeed. And I think you again said something really interesting there about solving a problem. So you, you were solving companies' problems in the office space and in printing and in ink, right? So I think any company that's big is solving a problem from Apple to, you know, the NHS to um, Audi to, you know, whoever, every company is solving some sort of problem. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's important. In property, we solve problems, right? So you you had that business, it, it fell through, you know, kind of overnight and then you discovered property. What what was that kind of eureka moment where you said, ah, property, that, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to be successful from. And then how did you then get into it? Yeah, so I think it's probably all fair to say that we've all signed up to a manual list at some point. And there was this, there was this company called Progressive Property. I'm sure we've all heard of them as well. That was yep. just messaging me and messaging me and messaging me. And I just said, you know what, I need to see what these guys are up to. <laughs> so I, I, I actually they had, a, they had a webinar. I went on to one of their um, world record speaking events. And um, literally, it was my first event away from any kind of business networking. And I walked into the HQ, should we call it, a bit nervous. And I wasn't really sure where to um, where to stand. So there was a competition that was going on. And just for something to do, I went and signed up to the competition. And I had a guest and whatever else. Anyway, after the four days being, on, being at the event, I left. I got a call from one of the guys in there. And he called me up and he said, Dave, Dave, you, you, you've won um, VIP. Uh, you've won the VIP program, which which obviously meant I won the competition. So oh, from wow. that point, I literally yeah yeah believe it or not that's what happened, and I literally went from 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 there um, and sort of enrolled into the VIP program. And of course, being at the event, I brought some courses as well yeah. as you do, um, and that's kind of where it all started to sort of change and transform. Wow. So I think that's interesting because I I also won a Progressive Property Masterclass, and I think. I had the same sort of view as you. I was at like a talk and I was like, oh, all right, cool. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Got home and realized I won. So I think for both of us, you know, it's all about if you don't, if you don't buy a ticket, you can't win the raffle, right? So um, yeah, again, an interesting thing there about just take part sometimes. Just have, you know, you don't have to believe in it, but just take part, put your name down. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, well, that's exactly it, yeah. And it was kind of, as you say, it was just, I was just kind of um, brought, I think it's £10 off a ticket to my, on the programme. And then off the back of being on a part of that programme, I met numerous contacts and my path changed pretty rapidly from where I wanted to go. And yeah, it, it definitely changed for the better, I should put it that way. Awesome. So you attended all these courses, you had the VIP. How, mm. and you know, when you go to a lot of courses and you meet a lot of people, everyone is doing something different. Everyone is doing the latest buzzword or everyone's got their own kind of thing going on. How did you narrow down what you wanted to do from all the options in the world? Cool. Yeah, so, so what happened was I was at the Christmas event and there was um, all the award ceremonies and there was a guy who won the award for raising the most finance, which was around £32 million, I believe. Wow. His name is Stuart Melody. Um, okay. And, and what happened was at an event just after that, I congratulated him. And we hit up a conversation, and did she have a night? 
he we, we, we arranged to meet a week later and overnight from that point it kind of took me on his wing and taught me a lot about how to raise finance successfully with investors for large property developments wow okay so so then how did that and meeting him then shape what you're going to do and what you are doing so it's what happened from there we, I, I used the skills that i've learned through selling office products because selling, selling office products is very difficult and you go into very, some very different uh, networking scenarios and it's very hard to build rapport. So I gained a lot of skills over that time. And when I went into property, it turned out to be a completely different crowd, completely different people in the audience. And so when you're, when you're speaking to people, it's so much easier to build relationships and rapport. Mm -hmm. And Stuart, Stuart spotted that. And we successfully, you know, worked with numerous investors who were looking for opportunities for large property developments. And I essentially introduced them to those projects. So you met him. He kind of took you under mm -hmm. his his wing about raising finance, mm -hmm. but then, so what what is your strategy in property? Right. So doing the doing raising finance takes time. Um, it's, it's a long scale long scale um, investments, which for time and, and for money. So I needed something that was going to be a lot, a lot quicker. So living in Southend on Sea in Essex, there's a huge a huge um, demand for the leisure industry for good quality accommodation. So a guy that I met on VIP said to me, Dave, look, should we look at South End as an area and, and give service accommodation a go? And it was kind of as casual as that, similar to when I took the lease out on the, on the block. Um, and we found an apartment. It was a really, really high-end apartment, probably paid more than what we should have done for it. Um, it was eight fifty for a one-bed, wow. um, which, is, which is a lot of money, really, around my area, around six fifty, but it was brand new. But we knew that if we got this property and did it the right way, and looked the part that we could leverage that with other agents to uh, acquire more properties, and at the same time we would be able to um, attract good quality uh, guests. And that's pretty much what happened. It went really well, and from there we've just scaled and scaled, and we're now at thirty-nine units around two years later. Wow! Big. So mm. it sounds like the first sort of unit you had wasn't a get. 10 spreadsheets out, analyze the area, analyze the demand. And it was literally just like, hey, mate, this is a decent area for, for tourism. Um, let's get a flat and let's do an essay and let's see what happens. <laughs> am, am I right? It was pretty, it was casual like that. Yeah, I mean, we did definitely analyze the deal and definitely analyze the market before we went into it. Hmm. Um, we, we knew that we were going to pay a bit more for it, but we just knew that, um, you know, even if we made a, a, a small profit out of it, we knew that first deal could take us to a lot of places, and which, which yeah. it has done. Yeah, and I hear that a lot from people. That first deal is your kind of marketing tool, right? So sometimes you might take mm. a hit on paying higher rent, like you might have, um, to to show it to other agents. So then you had that first deal, and was that a rent? That was a rent to essay, right? Are, are all of yours rent to essays? Yeah, we've got a mixture. So we've got some rent to essay in our own portfolio. We've got joint venture portfolios with investors. And then we we've focused the last year on building our management portfolio, which is what we're what we're scaling now. Okay, and then so talk me through how you went from zero to thirty nine in two years. Like what, um, maybe some important lessons from that time, advice for people who are starting out, and things like that. Yeah, I think it happened pretty quick. Um, we it's all about building the right relationships with the right people, um, and I've, I've been doing that for years anyway, but. Once you do start working with agents, you need to, to uh, deliver and you need to back up what you say. And it's been very transparent all the way through um, to keep the relationship strong. 
but off the back of building, uh, you know, we only work with three or four agents, but those three or four agents have given us the majority of those deals purely from us, uh, you know, us performing on what we say we're going to do. Um, and, and from taking on one unit, we would offer, you know, another one and another one in a block of nine, in a block of seven, and it just kind of grows like that. It becomes very organic and very sort of easy once you get the ball rolling. Okay. And then when it comes to sort of working with agents and vendors, some hmm. landlords are a bit iffy about corporate let, about holiday lets, things like that. How did you package or describe it or get around their kind of, oh, we just want a family and kids and a dog and, and things like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's just presented as, as an opportunity. Like We've got a very strong rental market down this way. Um, and everybody's trying to achieve the, the, the best that they can for their property. But, you know, as you might have heard before, people don't always get the best quality tenants even if they're paying the most money. So we, we, we've leveraged what we've done. We've been able to show proof to what, what we can do and we deliver on. And people are in it for the long game. They want, they want consistency um, for a longer period of time. And that's how, that's, how, that's how we discuss it with the agents. It's how it's presented. Okay. And then um, when it comes to these sort of SA units when you so you know your area South End on Sea that's kind mm -hmm. of decided that's you've done the relevant research but when it comes to actually finding a unit or units what are say the top three things that you look for it's definitely location um, parking's key um, parking's becoming harder and harder to find properties with good, good parking um, but yes size is important um, to a degree because you know you, you, people want to feel comfortable, uh, especially if you want them in your property for long term. Uh, and having the correct, correct, uh, you know, you, all, all the correct um, white goods are available, that that's always important as well because they always attract longer term so guests and clients. Okay, cool. And then, as you went from zero to thirty-nine units, there must have been some costs. Um, I'm guessing if mm -hmm. you got mainly new properties, there weren't as much in terms of refurbs. How mm -hmm. did you finance this kind of growth? Well, it's, it's, it's using the experience I've learned before and it's working with investors. Um, it's, it's all for investors, to be fair. Um, I've not invested any of my own capital into the business, which is, which is bizarre because I've invested a lot in other ventures, but yeah. not in this business. Um, it, again, there's it, something in it for everybody. Um, so, yeah, it's all financed by investors. Okay, so essentially these, this number of units is, is making you financially free to an extent. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. That's definitely correct. And you've done that pretty much with no none of your own money. Obviously, lots of your own time, but none of your own money. So in terms of people who are new to SA and who are saying, oh, you know, how am I going to get investment? How, like, why is someone going to invest in me? You know, like, what kind of tips or advice would you give to them in terms of, I don't know, maybe preparing your mindset and then also physically how to actually go out and get investors? Because you're You've obviously done quite well to get quite few investors. So, what's your, what's your kind of tips on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I would always say to anybody like, do it on your own first if you can if you can afford to. I think there's a lot of value in that for for every investor and for you as an individual. Um, so you can definitely give you know talk of confidence how you're going to perform and what you're going to do and how it works. That's really important because when you're sitting down with an investor, you need to explain what can go right, but more importantly, what can go wrong. Um, and be transparent about that. And a lot of people just focus on what can go right, um, which, you know, if that's not clear, if you're not being 100% upfront and clear, um, it can have a negative effect if something does go wrong because they won't be expecting it. So it's important to manage expectations from day one. 
Um, and confident, confidence grows once you're in, in, the, in the business, you understand it for yourself. Um, when, you, when you haven't done a property before, you haven't, you haven't got your own ones, it's very difficult to talk with confidence. Um, the way that you really attract investors is by speaking from experience and speaking with confidence. Okay. And then, you know, how, how would someone or how have you, apart from the experience, but you sort of as a person and the way you come across, how have you made yourself investable as a person? Yeah, well, we've, you know, going back to the office supplies business, there was no real systems in place to manage the, the back end of the business and nothing was really outsourced, it was all internal. And that's what the key thing to, to, to going wrong was. Um, when I outsourced, I didn't um, outsource effectively. So bringing those learns and then mistakes from that business into this business meant that we needed to build systems from an early stage and look at outsourcing. So we're essentially building an asset. And the more we focused on working on systems and outsourcing, means we can actually, actually run a profitable business that's scalable, um, which makes it a bit investable to, to, to anyone. I see, I see. Okay, but then what about you as a person? Like how, so that you've made the business investable and made it an asset, but how have mm -hmm. you made you as a person investable? And you may have done nothing. You may have just been yourself. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I mean, the, the key thing is communication. Um, I've I found is communicate constantly and regularly with investors. Um, and as I said earlier, be transparent. Um, if something isn't going right, be, you know, you want to be working with people that understand things aren't always going to go 100% right. So if they do go wrong, you can you can discuss that. Um, and, and that's that. You know, just having a transparent and honest relationship is, is key, especially if you can communicate effectively as well. Mm, okay, that makes sense. And, you know, your sort of current portfolio of 39 units is, is quite a lot, right? And there's, I guess there's two of you in the business in terms of ownership? In terms of ownership, yes. So SA is something that is often sold and described as loads of money, loads of profit, um, good fun, meeting new people. Um, but then you've got the other half where it's like, oh my God, they trashed the place, backcharged credit cards, um, <laughs> haven't set their ID, um, not getting any bookings in the winter, losing your hair, then suddenly in the summer you make a bit of money um, or problems with the leaseholders of the property. You know, there's there's kind of two sides to the story. Mm. So I'd love to genuinely know your experience of essay in terms of like, how much work is it? Is it very hands-on? What, what are the kind of difficulties you've faced and you're facing? Yeah, 100%. I, I get exactly where you're coming from on both sides. It can be an extremely profitable model, um, de definitely. And as you said as well, it can be the extreme, extreme headache as well. So what we've done is from the very beginning is uh, create systems, build a foundation for us so that we're able to leverage. So our business is highly outsourced, um, especially the back end. So in terms of guest messaging, guest calls, ID verification, guest payments, etc. We've got a team that handles that for us, um, which means that I'm able to focus on doing what I do best and build relationships and scale the business. Um, now, if we were to look at sort of, if you scale the business thinking you're just going to make a lot of money and it's, it's going to, you know, as, as the courses say, you can just systemize it like it's easy, and you'll be in for a shock. And a lot of people are in for a shock, which is why we're helping them systemize and that sort of the business. Um, it's, it's, it's very common. Um, but... If you manage it like a business, not a property strategy, you can scale it effectively. 
Okay. So at the be- so you're saying you systemize from the beginning. So like right at the start when you had one, two, three, four units, were you still like was it still outsourced in terms of people who were dealing with it? No, it was internal. It was internal for probably the best part of eight months. Um, but we was always being creating organisation and structure. Because um, a system can be anything. It can be a procedure. It can be a process, and it can be sort of, sort of how you store your documents and data, for example. So. We've always had systems in mind and we've always had the bigger picture in mind of scaling. So we've just, as we've started, we've just created these systems as we've gone along and we started to outsource you know, for around a year ago now. Um, and since then, that's when the business has completely changed and transformed. Okay. And so when you were handling it sort of internally, what mm-hmm. were the worst things that happened and you may have none you may have had an absolutely smooth journey but were there any guests from hell was anyone trashing your rooms did anything happen that was that made you think oh why am i doing this i think that there's always going to be a degree of you know the party type people and the bad guests um it's just how you manage it so i mean yeah we've had bad examples where people that have sort of enjoyed the place a bit too much not, not respected it at all but Genuinely, as long as, as long as we've had their details and their, their, their data, they've never really got away with it. So we've been, we've been quite fortunate like that. Of course, we've had chargebacks, which aren't good. They can be a pain. And, you know, we do win a good portion of ours, but sometimes you lose. But never really enough to sway you away from doing it as a business. You know, there's always going to be upsides and downsides to any business. You've just got to manage it. Hmm. And, you know, SA is the sort of buzzword at the moment. There's all courses being sold for it. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants to be in on it. You know, mm-hmm. would you say that, essay i guess on a micro level within your area are is there lots of competition are other people doing it a lot or have you found actually that you're one of very few in our area there's a lot of people that have started it and now we manage a lot of their properties um i think they they get the realization it's not it's not as easy as they they think Mm. um so as as is quite a small quite a niche area and, and we're proactively looking for the bigger type contracts I don't really see it as lots of competition, to be honest, because uh, we, we've all got our own unique models. And our model is the sort of contractor type model, um, where, where we're, we're sort of, I say more contractor product type model, it's more of a mass market product. Um, some people you know, go and get the best apartments, pay the highest in rent, get the best quality furniture, but have to charge extortionate rates all year round, which they won't achieve. So we, we, we sit in the middle. Okay. And when someone is preparing to start an essay business um what i hear from people is that it's it's not necessarily a property business but it can become like a hospitality business especially at the start when you yeah. are maybe more hands-on would you agree with that and is that in line with your experience yeah it's a hundred percent a business especially the hospitality business there's a lot of customer service involved a lot of people management a lot of cleaning team management uh, you know, you, you know, maintenance is it, it, definitely a people business. It's not a property strategy. Okay. And you mentioned cleaners. Now, again, that's something I hear is, is quite a big problem and worry. You know, how am I going to get cleaners that are going to turn up on demand at the most random hours when people have checked out? How do you, how have you found cleaners who will work to kind of perhaps the weird kind of essay schedule that you might have? Yeah, I, I mean... The cleaning, I mean, the clean, I don't find the cleaning hours that that difficult because they're, they're normally when they're, you know, I'm not trying to stereotype, but it's a lot, a lot of time when um, the kids are at school and a lot of mums want, want an extra job. So it kind of sits quite well for us and we've not struggled in terms of getting cleaners. 
Um, we've had a mixture of a cleaning company, so we've helped dealt with one company and they've had their own cleaners and now we're managing our own. And it's, there's not really a demand, it's just trying to find the right quality cleaners that are willing to follow your procedures. That's, that's the difficult part. Hmm, interesting. And then I want to kind of skip back actually to when you said you only work with a couple of agents. Now, when you, like, what are your kind of um, best practices when working with agents? Are you sort of straight in face to face every week and you kind of be open and say, look, we're doing Airbnb. This is how we work. Here's what's in it for you. Or are you a bit more coy or like, how do you approach them? Because they can obviously, you know, be a hindrance or a help depending on how you work with them. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean with, with the agents, it's just about sharing what's in it for them. You said it right yourself. Um, they need to know what's in it for them. And, you know, getting that first deal was always difficult with every agent. But once they see the value in what you're bringing and understand that you are, you are going to perform and, and you are going to pay your rent on time and you are going to look after the property and you are maintaining it, they've got a lot of confidence really quick. So I don't need to go and see the agents that frequently, um, but we touch base, we touch base quite often. Um, and, you know, I'm not actively looking for any more agents. We've got enough deals to, to last us, and I'm having to turn deals away right now. Yeah, wow. And so, you know, rent to SA and rent to rent is, I don't want to say it's not a long-term strategy, but it's not like an asset-building long-term strategy because you're going to have to mm. potentially give it back at the end of three, five, however many years it is. So what is next for you, David? Like, what what is... So once you've got all these units and you're getting cash flow and it's all coming in and flowing, are you investing it in stocks, in property, and what are you kind of doing next? Yeah, so it's exactly that. We're actually building our own portfolio off the back of this, um, which is just, which is still going to be an SA portfolio um, as an investment portfolio, um, and we're helping people do exactly the same for their businesses. What, what we've done. Hmm. And what? And are you purchasing properties to turn into SAs? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, in Southend. In okay, so Southend is is fairly expensive, right? It's still sort of London esque prices. No, I wouldn't say it's no. It's definitely not as bad as London in terms of um, sky high prices. It's actually quite a reasonable market, to be honest. Okay, and are you sort of aiming to do the kind of traditional progressive model of the kind of buy, refurbish, refinance? approach or are you kind of buying ready-made nice new build houses and just getting straight in with it so to, to a degree i mean our, our model is really looking at buying one or two bedroom flats and making them into two or three bedroom apartments as we say and so it's a nice luxury service accommodation apartments uh and yeah then refinancing and putting some of the cash out but preparing being prepared to leave some cash in yes. um so that you know that, that's important that we do that so we're not highly leveraged yeah and i think sometimes often again on the internet we're all told oh free houses you know get all your money out all this kind of stuff but then actually when you speak to investors like yourself and like others who are doing it you actually find out oh most of the time unless you're in i don't know somewhere like wales or really really far up north you have to leave money in no matter how whatever happens because you're just not going to get that huge margin between purchase price and reval price and are you finding that as well or is it is it slightly different in south end yeah, I mean, Southend, you, you, it's very unlikely to get all your money out. But I mean, with from what I've found, a lot of investors who have come through those kind of communities, uh, I've heard so much about getting all their money out. That's their expectation. Mm. But the typical everyday investor is in it for the long run. So they, they don't really expect to get all their money out um, immediately. They're, they're, they're prepared to leave it in for a longer period of time. Mm. Okay. And um, 
speaking of investors okay i'm looking for some investment right i'm willing to give you know one percent a month interest it's probably gonna be ten percent by the end of the year so i've got a fairly decent deal you know i think it's good it's you know there's a you'll have a charge on the property it's all good but where physically and it could just be the internet but where physically do you suggest i should go hypothetically in this situation to find investors investors are everywhere um i mean everywhere and i I mean i've been to been to about 300 to 400 networking events in my sort of business career (laughs) and yeah 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 so as i say i've got pretty good at networking um the back of that and going to any event in London, I'd always meet one or two good, strong potential investors. Um, so, so, so we, when a lot of what a lot of people do is when they go out, they talk about a deal or what they've got coming up. But it's all about just building relationships, and that, that's so important. And just sharing what you're up to, but not selling. Sharing, sharing, not selling is important. Uh, and just talk about what you're doing, where you're going, why you're going there. And you, you'd often find that people want to invest in you, not necessarily the, the deal, because people can find a deal anywhere. And if you, if you ever do speak to Stuart, Stuart will tell you this, and Stuart's amazing at this, but he'll tell you, it's true people can find deals anywhere, looking online, looking on Facebook, but people are going to invest in you. Okay, good. And I think. And something I picked up there, sorry to interrupt, something yeah. I picked up there was you told me about the deal that you had, but you didn't tell me anything about you, what your strategy was, and that's that's important. Yeah, and good. Yeah. In, them, in them scenarios, like, try and focus on yourself and speak about you, you a little more. Yeah, good. I'm glad you picked up on that. So, and I'm glad you said that because I think every single guest on the podcast has said exactly what you've said, which is people invest in you, not the deal. Don't talk about the deal or go up to someone. Hi, um, I'm Tej. I'm looking for money. It's not going to work, right? You have to, like you said, build that human relationship. Um, and I've experienced it myself. You know, I've met people who I had, you know, sometimes you meet people and you think, oh, they, you know, they could be an investor. OK, cool. You know, there's maybe something there. You don't do anything about it. You still just build a relationship. But there's some people you meet and you're like, you don't even think about it. You're just like, oh, mate, just meeting up. And they turn around and say, oh, hey, um, let me know like about that situation. Um, I'd, I'd like love to invest. And you're like, huh? I didn't even like, I didn't even mention anything. I just spoke about like what I'm doing. And, and you're totally right. It, it works. Um, and also, I think it's mindset. You have that sort of um, undying um, impossible to kill self-belief right um and i think when people develop that and when you develop it when it's not arrogance when it's just confidence at the right level you know you, you start to think in a different way and you know that you will get investment but it's just who when where what how but that will happen do, do you agree with that 100 percent, yeah definitely um it, it's just good just to build good quality circles and as i said just just share with people what you're up to um and people, people want to be involved in it. And even, I've even found it myself. Like I've always been quite reserved with myself out there on, on Facebook and things like that. I've always been quite, um, you know, not, not really shared what I'm up to, but the more I've shared recently, the more people have been coming back to me, checking back in, good to speak to you, coming up again. I want to, all to explore potential investments just off the back of that. So yeah. always share what you do. Awesome. And has, and I know you said you've kind of, in the past, been kind of reserved about Facebook, but from your recent sort of use of it, has facebook played a part in getting investment and in your sort of recent success do you and do you see it playing a big role in the future for you yeah 100 percent, definitely um i mean as i said i was always quite nervous about it and when you actually when you actually start putting yourself out there you don't really know why you're so nervous for so long 
Um, I mean, there's been some amazing opportunities come off the back of it. Um, we're helping 10 people um, systemize and outsource and scale their business, which is all through Facebook. I've, wow. Literally, that's how that's happened. All from just sharing posts, like we mentioned earlier. Um, as I say, potential investment and potential deals as well for local people in Southend. So, it's, yeah, that's been over the space of two months. So, everyone listening, David has used Facebook for two months. Two months. And he's helping 10 people systemize their business, which is an income generating activity. Um, he's potentially deal sourcing for people, again, income generating. And he's building a brand for himself just by saying what he knows. Like, it, it's as simple as that, right, David? Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, it really is. And you just, again, I just didn't expect to have such an overwhelming response off the back of it. But I, I mm. definitely encourage it to anybody that's sort of not showing what they're doing, if they're doing anything. Like, get it out there and talk to people about it and let them know what you're doing. 100%. And as progressives say, you know, tell everyone in three foot radius of yourselves that you are in property and what you're doing, right? And it it works. And I think you're a great example of how maybe perhaps before you didn't know your value, like you didn't know, oh, I know things that people don't know. You just thought, oh, I know this. It's kind of like bread and butter to me. You know, who really wants to listen to it? But actually, someone like me, who's new, someone like my friend who's new and mo a lot of people on Facebook, you know, we love that. It's it's so helpful for us. So, you know, a message to everyone, you know, if you're an experienced investor, one house, three houses, 100, three, whatever it is, you have some value to add. So get on Facebook and share it because um, look what it's it's got for David. And anything to do with social media, just speak to me or David. We're, we're more than happy to help, right? We both use it quite a lot and we're both here on this podcast. Um, and actually, you mentioned um, that you're helping 10 people systemize their businesses. I believe you have a free goodie, goodie bag giveaway to give to the listeners. Do you want to tell them briefly what it is? I do indeed, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's an ebook on how to systemize and outsource and scale your business. So it goes into detail on um, some of the tools that we use, some of the apps we use, how to find people to outsource your business to, and different methods of scaling. So definitely worth having a look at. And how many pages is it? It's 14 to 16, I, I just can't remember. It's, so it's quite, quite a nice size. So it's 14 pages for free from someone who's gone from zero to 39 units in two years. I mean, that's a pretty good deal for, you know, for listening to this much of the podcast, right? So if anyone wants that, um, direct message me on Facebook and I will send you the link for it. Um, so, David, this brings us to, I believe the last part of the show now this is the quick fire round it's a three by three so i'm going to ask you biggest three top three worst three whatever um for three rounds and i want you to give me a quick fire answer so not much detail but just kind of a, a one or two sentence reply is that cool that's fine yeah awesome i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit now so let's let's see how this goes um what are the biggest three mistakes that you've made in property so far yeah, not systemizing, not outsourcing, and scaling too quick. Okay, good. And well, not good, but you know, good, good answer. Um, <laughs> um, what are your top three tips for people who are new in property? I mean, don't scale too quick. I mean, that is a, a, one of the problems I just mentioned above. Don't scale too quick. Um, outsource what you're not good at and work on your strengths. And yeah, love what you're doing, create organization and build systems and procedures and processes. Awesome. And the last one is specifically for you. What top three apps or platforms or bits of software could you not live without? Slack. 
Facebook and Trello. Interesting. So we've got a social media, we've got a project management tool, and we've got a, a pretty awesome communication tool. So that's, I like that. That's a, that's a nice, um, nice triplet there. For anyone who doesn't use Slack, I think Slack is incredible. Would you agree, David? Yeah, it's amazing. It's, there's so many integrations. It's so much easier to centralize what you're doing. I love it. Big Africa. It's crazy that it's kind of taken so long to make it because, you know, on, on a real crude level, it's WhatsApp for work, but like way, way better. Um, so it's a, it's a fantastic tool for anyone in property to listen to. So, David, thank you so much for coming on the TED Talk show. Um, it's great to hear from more people who are doing SA and doing it successfully, but have still, you know, got the realistic element in it. And again, that free ebook is sounding awesome. So again, anyone who wants it, send me a direct message and I will send it over to you. And um, once again, David, thank you so much. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.